Today on Locked On Canucks, Monday, May the 9th, we take a look at a certain coach who could be coming to Vancouver, maybe, in replace of Bruce Boudreaux. Of course, we continue our greatest Canucks series with the goalie that backstopped the Canucks to a Stanley Cup Finals berth and what the heck to do with Oliver ekman Larson. It's Locked On Canucks and it starts now. On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today, Monday, May the 9th edition of Locked On Canucks. I'm, of course, your host, Justin Pudding. You can find me at Twitter at underscore process sports. Please, of course, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasting services. Of course, today's episode is all to you also, excuse me, today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. Well, today we're going to start off by talking about Barry Trotz. Now, you might be asking, why are you talking about Barry Trotz? He's the coach of the Islanders. What does he have to do with the Canucks? Well, <laughs> there's where you're wrong. This morning, unless you're living under a rock, Barry Trotz was fired by the New York Islanders as Lou Lamorello announced today trots of course the former stanley cup winning coach with bruce Boudreaux's former team and the man he replaced to win the stanley cup barry trots then went to long island with the islanders took them to back-to-back conference finals and playoff appearances not this year though they had a rough year but we all know barry trots to be a great coach and that begs the question to to give Canucks have a coaching conundrum of their own right now. What do we do with Bruce Boudreaux? Do we want him back? Is he not have enough structure? Jim Rutherford doesn't really want him, it seems like. So do the Canucks go for Bruce Boudreaux? <clears throat> well, no, sorry, not go for Bruce Boudreaux. Do they leave Bruce Boudreaux and go for Barry Trotz like the Washington Capitals did and win a Stanley Cup? Pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, just pump the pump the brakes. It, it's, it's not that easy, guys. Look, Bruce Brudro, the Canucks job is still his if he wants it until January, not January, June the 1st. Bruce Brudro in his contract has until June the 1st. So about three and a half weeks, or sorry, four weeks, a month or so, three weeks, we'll say, three weeks. He has three weeks to decide whether he wants to stick around and coach the Vancouver Canucks and opt in his contract. And if he does that, well, then there's no, you cannot get Barry Trotz unless you want to fire him. Um, I don't think Barry Trotz is going to come to Vancouver. Yes, he has a home in BC in the offseason, which, which, which hockey player doesn't. Most hockey players either live in Muskoka, Ontario, or Kelowna, British Columbia, in the offseason. Because let's face it, Kelowna is a beautiful place to live in the summertime. If I had the funds and the wherewithal, I would be in Kelowna myself or the Okanagan in the summertime because it is absolutely beautiful. You know, you can do golf, water sports, the lake. Everything, anything you could do there makes sense why he's got a house there, but that doesn't mean he wants to live in Vancouver for 12 months of the year. 
I don't see Barry Trotz fitting here. But now, so I, look, people kind of forget Barry Trotz is a very structured and system regimented coach. Something that Jim Rutherford said last week, he feels the Canucks lack, which I could see why a lot of people connected the dots. Hey, Canucks need systems. They need structure. Oh, Barry Trotz. But here's the thing. Canucks fans, do you remember Barry Trotz with the Nashville Predators? And how agonizingly boring, agonizingly boring the Nashville Predators play in the style of hockey they play agonizingly boring defensive just just oh the game that barry trotz plays is downright almost extinct it's not freewheeling it's not offense it's structure defense and it is boring hockey successful but very boring hockey and i beg to ask you this question Cox fans would you want to see elias Pettersson, quinn hughes uh bo horvat jt miller play a more structured defensive game and not do what they do best and play offensively you might not. I don't think so. Because I know this market, and I know that if they play defensively, uber defensively, people are going to complain that they're playing boring. They're going to find another way to say, oh, I don't want to watch them. They're too boring. They play boring hockey. I don't see Barry Trotz and his system fitting with the Canucks and their current talent. <clears throat> the Canucks' two best players are free-flowing, offensive-minded players and Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes. J-team, they're, sorry, the two young cornerstones. JT Miller is a 200-foot player, but he just racked up 99 points. Bo Horvat just scored 31 goals. I don't see a Barry Trotz <clears throat> muddle down, slow the game down, system game being played in Vancouver. I don't see it. I, I could be completely wrong, but I just don't see it happening. So let's pump the brakes a little bit on the Barry Trotz. I see Trotz going to... Maybe a Philadelphia, a team that is in desperate need of structure, who has a lot of talent but does not have the spine or the um, the foundation to have sustainable success. Just like the Canucks, uh, but I just see him sticking out. I think he, you know, probably likes it out east. He's been out there for a while now. I just see him staying out east in probably Philadelphia, maybe Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg again is an uberly talented team that. Um, just need some structure. You know, they have, you know, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Connor Hellebuck. Um, they, you know, Josh Morrissey, they have pieces there too. So I potentially in Winnipeg, I just don't see Barry Trotz coming back. And also I just see Boudreaux coming back. Like all these reports are indicating that, you know, he was a big interview process with the, the KHL star, uh, Andre Kuzmenko, who the Canucks are courting heavily right now to bring over. So, you know, if he's helping court KHL stars to Vancouver, you think the indication now, I said last week, I don't see him coming back, but now as more and more information becomes readily available, it just makes sense for him to be back, you know, at least for the year. Um, now, I don't know if it's smart to have a lame duck coach, uh, especially in the Canadian market, and then to go on a losing streak, then, you know, all the, reports and rumors and all that stuff is going to be oh well you know you don't have a contract how do you feel so it's you're playing with house you're playing with a little bit of fire there rutherford and alvin but um like i said i just you never know 
you know, the, the Leafs job could open up after, you know, they got pumped last night by Tampa. And, you know, who knows how they, this the rest of this series turns out. And if it doesn't turn out well, maybe Sheldon Keefe is gone and the Toronto job is open, which then Boudreaux and Trotz could want. Um, so I don't necessarily know what is going to transpire um, going forward. But I just don't think Barry Trotz is the answer just because his style of coach he is does not fit where the Canucks players in their core is. I, I just don't see it. I don't. Uh, and then you have uh, the whole Boudreaux contract. Offer. It just doesn't make sense. It seems like a long shot, a, you know, a toss in the wind and hopefully it happens for certain fans. It's not going to happen in my personal opinion. So let's just ease off on that. Now, the other uh, rumors around Canucks land is about Oliver Ekman Larson. Yes. The defenseman that was brought in to Vancouver last year via trade after, you know, Jim Benning tried the year before to get him. So, you know, the reports indicated that, you know, through Elliot Friedman, who was on a Vancouver radio show, saying that they're trying to be very aggressive and trying to, you know, find a market um, for Oliver ekman Larson, which is kind of, it will be very, very impressive to see if they can get rid of Oliver ekman Larson, who is 31 this summer. And has five years left on his contract, and it cost the Canucks seven point two six million annually. And here's the caveat: he has a full no trade clause, so the cards are in Oliver Ekman Larson's hands. You know, he was second in average ice time, and he w- did play very well this year. Actually, didn't play very well, but he he wasn't awful. But the cap hit he does is very hard. Look, you still have Tyler Myers for another six schmill. Um, for another two more years. Look, they want to get better. Um, he was good defensively, but he's not the same player offensively, which helped get him that contract. Right? He scored twenty plus goals and fifty plus points in Arizona, and you're not going to get that again anymore. He's thirty-one. He's older. Um, so it's when that trade happened, I thought, okay, you got rid of. Roussel, Beagle, um, Erickson. You got rid of all those anchors, but then you took an anchor of yourself in. But you got Connor Garland. Um, Connor Garland, you know, had his up and downs, but uh, I think Connor Garland will be a part of this team going forward. I just, who the hell is going to want to take on that contract from Oliver Ekman Larson? Unless you find some creative way to take, you know, some team takes majority of the salary and you retain a little bit. Um, I, I trading Oliver Ekman Larson is going to be hard, very, very hard because you gave up, you know, quite a bit to get him a first round pick. And although you had to give up a first round pick and then also all that other stuff to, you know, acquire him. And you, the biggest thing is you take on the 7.26 million for another five years. Five years. So it's. I, you look back at Jim Benning and you look back at that regime and again, it's just like, oh, I see the, the Luongo cap recapture comes off the books, but I still got Myers for another couple of years at $6 million. I still have Ekman Larson for another five years at $7 million. It's not a the best predicament to be in, especially if he's not producing at a clip of a $7 million defenseman. He's a good defenseman, trust me. Ekman Larson is the least of the Canucks' worries right now, in my personal opinion, but Rutherford and Alvin are like, oh my God, like they're 
I cannot imagine. It's like walking into a certain situation or say you come home from vacation or you, you know, you move into a new, you move in Rutherford and Alvin move into a new house. Um, and the previous owner just left an absolute disaster, a mess, ripped, ripped carpet, holes in the wall, just an absolute disaster. There's still things in the house that you like that you bought it, but the house was never cleaned out before they left. And there was disaster with all this left with furniture. And now they're left to clean up this mess where this mess, sometimes they can't clean it all because who the hell is going to take that Eklund like Larson contract? Unless you find some sucker that, and trust me, there's full of suckers in the NHL, but there is no chance any smart, reasonable GM will touch this contract with a 10-foot pole, a, even a 31-foot pole, because I don't know if 30, any of the 30, any, I don't know if any one of the other 31 teams would touch this contract with a pole or go anywhere near because it is such an anchor. Yes, he's still productive. He can still play, but 7.26 million for five years. That's a lot of money. That's a hard pill to swallow. And I don't see it transpiring for the Canucks to trade him. Wishful thinking. So I'm sorry to be the bur- the giver of bad news right now. I don't see Barry Trotz coming to Vancouver. And I don't see an Oliver ekman Larson trade happening at all. Because A, that contract sucks. To quote Roberto Luongo. And he's got a no trade clause. And he wanted any wave to come to Vancouver. And I don't know if he's going to want to waive it a year later just to leave Vancouver unless, you know, pressure gets to him or coaching stuff that happens. I don't see it happening whatsoever. So, look, you're stuck. We're stuck with Oliver Leckman Larson for the foreseeable future. So, we might as well just get used to it and realize that, hey, he's going to be here. We got to make the best of the situation and let's move forward. And moving forward, we're going to go to some more happy news and reminisce about a goalie who helped the Canucks reach the 1994 Stanley Cup Finals. Yes, he made the save of saves in Game 7 against the Calgary Flames. If you don't know by now, I'm talking about Kirk McLean, Captain Kirk. He is highlighted in our next segment of our greatest Canucks series of all time. So stick around after the break. We're going to dive into Captain Kirk's legacy with the Vancouver Canucks. But first... I'm going to talk to you guys about BetOnline.net. BetOnline, our partners at BetOnline, continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NLF features. NFL, excuse me. Sorry, the BetOnline people made a mistake on the read, so I'll have to let them know because even next season's NFL features, Futures. <laughs> bet online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live bets to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Once again, guys, thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Today, guys, today, our greatest Canucks series, like I mentioned, we highlight Kirk McLean. Yes, Captain Kirk 
was raised just in the neighborhood outside of Toronto, was a natural athlete, and he loved playing goal. He starred with the Oshawa Generals and was selected in the 1984 entry draft by the New Jersey Devils. In 1987, GM Pat Quinn shrewdly made a trade to acquire Kirk McLean, eventually becoming the cornerstone, the backbone of the Vancouver Canucks. He spent 11 seasons in Vancouver with his patented stand-up play, great puck handling skills, and his great glove hand. He provided some of the best goaltending the Canucks have ever seen and was one of the most popular athletes in Vancouver Canucks history. When he left Vancouver in 1998, he was the Canucks' all-time leader in pretty much all goaltending statistics. 516 regular season games, played 211 wins, 20 shutouts, and a 3.28 goals against average. He also, of course, had 34 wins and 6 shutouts in the playoffs, 15 of those coming in the 1994 Stanley Cup Finals run. He was twice in the NHL All-Star in 1990 and 1992, and he was a two-time Vesna finalist in 92 and a second NHL NHL team. He's a two-time Canucks MVP and a three-time Molson Cup winner. And, of course, in 2010, the 40th anniversary, he was inducted into the Canucks Ring of Honor. Excuse me, I'm almost trying to sneeze there, but I did. Um, so when we look at Kirk McLean's legacy, he was the backbone of those 19, those early 90s teams that were, quite frankly, you know, the, probably the best era of Canucks hockey, sustainable Canucks hockey fans have ever seen um, prior to, you know, the West Coast Express years. And then, of course, the gillis Sedin era, which was much more sustainable and longer term um, running, uh, you know, at a winning clip. But Kirk McLean came to Vancouver as a relative unknown and worked on his game and it fit perfectly with Vancouver. Um, it was a perfect spot for him in his time in his career. He really worked on his game. He was very cerebral. And funny story. So last last night, I was kind of, you know, lying in bed and going down a YouTube wormhole, as some of you guys might do. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I sometimes go down these, like, YouTube wormholes that just, you know, look on one video and I end up randomly on a totally different tangent. So I kind of went down this Canucks YouTube wormhole, and I was uh, watching a greatest Canucks series done by Global TV. I think it was must have been. Um, I think during the NHL lockout back in 04, um, you know, they highlighted guys like Thomas Gradine, Harold Snap, Stan Schmiel, um, Pavel Bure, who you know, we will get to, Trevor Linden, um, Kirk McLean, Marcus Naslin, all guys we will all touch on, um, going forward. Spoiler alert, but, um, just really understanding what it was like just the ability to be so calm and when i was watching interviews with people describe kirk mcclain you know he was a traditional stand-up goalie which at that time in the early 90s a lot of goalies were transitioning to butterfly getting down um but kirk mcclain was playing the angles um and it, you see there's not very many stand-up goalies now it's all butterfly get down there's the hybrid all these different techniques i was never a goalie um i briefly understand i understand it a bit but uh, it's just all these angles and, you know, push forward, all that stuff. The goalie stuff is too confusing for me. For me, all my job out there was to score goals. Uh, we will snipe Selly was my motto. Uh, and don't back check. That's probably why uh, I never made it that as far as I should in hockey because I never really wanted to back check block shots or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but that's enough about uh, the, my lack of defensive abilities. So 
having a goalie like Kirk McLean, who was in the be able to be that back wall, the guy who was just so calm. And you know, when your goalie, I find when your goalie is calm in pressure situations, um, your team just plays a lot more freely because they trust the guy back there. The last line of defense, like, hey, we could take a chance because we got this guy back here who could save our bacon if we need to. And that's what Kirk McLean did. In game one of the Stanley Cup Finals in 1994, he had 50-plus saves, and the Canucks won in overtime, an upset in overtime against the Rangers. And who can forget the save of saves that precluded the Pavel Bure iconic goal, Brown to Bure. He made the amazing save off Theo Fleury and Robert Reichel on a essential 2-on-0, and he double-slid, double-stacked the pads, kicked it out, and the Canucks were on their way. That right there was Kirk McLean's shining moment. As many of as many uh, Canucks players as we talk about, their shining moment includes a Stanley Cup Finals run. Um, we talked about the guys in the '80s, Gradine, Smeal. Um, you know their you know, highlights of their career with a 1982 run, and this '94 run we talked about with Linden as well. Um, that team was, you know, the years prior to that were 100 point teams, and then they kind of tailed off in '94. <clears throat> but they got there. They had the talent. They were already there knocking on the door years before. Um, and they finally got there in 1994. And that was thanks to Kirk. I just mentioned two-time Vesna finalist, two-time all-star, um, top goalie in the, one of the top goalies in the league. Um, now, it wasn't as sustainable as another Canucks goalie who were number one, who I think is the greatest Canucks goalie of all time. Hands down, no question about it. But Kirk McLean was definitely uh, a pillar in the 94 team. A, he still is a great member of the Canucks community, as all these guys I've mentioned so far, all just guys that were Canucks for through and through their whole life. And that is what they're remembered for. So Kirk McLean, another Canuck for life, another piece of that 94 team, and another member of the greatest Canucks series. Coming up after this final break, I'm going to talk to you guys because tomorrow is a big day in the NHL. It's the NHL draft lottery where the Canucks have no chance of getting the first overall pick. But I will explain to you guys how the draft lottery system works if you do not know. Uh, and if you're going to pay attention to it, by all means, pay attention to it. Um, but I'll just break that down for you coming up after the break and how the Canucks situation breaks down. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with... Summer coming, you're going to need some food to go on, uh, some food on the go. Built Bar is the perfect snack to take with you on family vacation. Store them in your bag, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bar is they're covered, they're healthy, delicious, and you're not sacrificing anything because you can have both with Built Bar. It's easy. All you have to do is go to built.com and order now. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? I love the Puffs. They are my favorite. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie, even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like churro and they're only 140 calories? You can sign my name on the dotted line for that. It's not enough. If it's not enough flavors for you, then you might want to try the mix block, which comes in 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Built Bar makes sure that it, there's something for everyone. You want to know what my favorite is? It's churro puffs right there. I said it already, but that's one of my favorite. Just I love the flavor. It's, I love just the sweetness of it. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 net carbs. 
and it's also 17 grams of protein compared to a candy bar, which has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to built.com to get all your favorites, banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at built.com. There's a special offer right now. If you go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, guys. So tomorrow is the NHL's draft lottery. Now, again, it's another case of the Canucks luck. Um, Even if the Canucks won the lottery, um, which they have a 0.5% chance to do, uh, they don't, won't get the first pick. Um, The first pick um, is out of the realm. They would not pick first. Uh, they would any other year, like so. They changed it. If you don't recall, the Canucks had a 0.5 chance to win the lottery, uh, which would result them getting in their fir- the first of all pick, but not this year. The new draft lottery is in, the rules are in place, and let's face it, they don't typical Canuck luck. They don't favor the Canucks whatsoever. Only the only top two picks will be decided by the weighted lottery down from three, which is also the case from last year. This new rule prevents teams from moving up by in positioning by more than 10 spots. So <clears throat> the Canucks have the 15th, I guess, 15th best odds or 15th worst odds. They're the 15th worst team, but the 15th best odds. So the, anyway, the Canucks have a 0.5% chance to win the lottery. But with that rule that they can only move up 10 spots, the highest the Canucks can pick is number five. So the team that has the, I guess, the lowest odds to get the number one pick uh, to move up 10 spots would be the Sharks. The cutoff is basically San Jose. So San Jose's got a 3% chance to win the lottery, and they can move up 10 spots to number one. Uh, But Montreal and Arizona, Montreal's got an 18.5% chance, and Arizona's got a 13.5% chance. And also, I believe the draft is in Montreal this year. Uh, if I do recall correctly, uh, yes, it is in Montreal this year, which means I think the Habs are going to get the first overall pick. Um, and let's face it, the Canucks have not had the best draft lo- uh, lottery luck of all time. I guess, but in 2016, they dropped 2017, they dropped 2018, they dropped. They could have had guys like Zegris, um, Dubois, Kale McCarr, and they fell every year. So, um, <clears throat> we know the Canucks luck in the draft lottery sucks. Um, so that's why I was kind of happy that they kind of went for the place at the end of the year because they weren't going to get the first pick or anyone because of Canucks luck. We would never get the first pick in the draft ever. Um, so that's tomorrow. It begins at 3.30 Eastern time. Oh, sorry, 3.30 Pacific time, excuse me. Um, if you want to watch, watch. The Canucks highest they can move is number five. They're probably going to pick at 15. It wouldn't surprise me if they pick at 16. So um, the Canucks didn't get a middle of the round first pick. So they're not going to get a... You know, a grade A prospect, but hey, you never know with the draft. It's a lottery ticket. You know, they could trade it too. Who knows? Um, so that is that with the lottery system. Tomorrow on Lockdown Canucks, we will dive into some more fun topics. We will continue on with our greatest Canucks series and have some more fun because it's the offseason. It's all about fun and it's all about looking forward to see what is next for the Vancouver Canucks. 
That is tomorrow's episode, so stick around for that. Again, thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen of the day, Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. Of course, it's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. All right, guys, take care, stay safe, and we will talk to you tomorrow.